0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen.
1: We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question.
0: Do you think I deserve your full attention?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. That's what I like to hear.
2: Hello, and welcome to Script to Screen. Today, we're going to be doing a bonus podcast episode on Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, continuing our Quarantined with Harry Potter uh, podcast series. Uh, So, let's just get it started. Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was directed by uh, Auteur Alfonso Cuaron, known for other films such as Gravity and Children of Men. Uh, He is a fantastic director, and he really takes Harry Potter in a very interesting direction in this uh, film, this continuation in the Harry Potter series. So basically, Harry Potter uh, gets attacked by a Dementor, and uh, throughout the film has to learn how to fight back against the Dementors while he's at Hogwarts. Um, And also Sirius Black is on the loose and he's this mass murdering, terrible person who's a servant of Voldemort. At least that's what we think at the start. Alright, so Kieran and Adam, what do we think of this movie? Hello. I should have introduced you, I suppose. Yeah, that's okay. They're introduced now, so it's within the first minute. We're still good. Yeah. What was the question? The question was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, what are your thoughts? Just as we do usually, thoughts overall, you know.
1: Well, I, I definitely f- felt a, a m- more of a richness in this film. Um, more, I, I think maybe more texture. There has, this film has a lot of texture. Thematic texture. Thematic, too. visual, yes.
2: Visual, visual texture oftentimes that, that communicates a thematic texture. Ah, uh, for sure. And I, I mean, I count a lot of that to Alfonso Cuarón. Obviously, I mean, you look at something like uh, *Children of Men*, which uh, utilizes uh, these uh, these longer takes to to emphasize the the different elements of that world, which is like a post-apocalyptic thing, very uh, terrible world where uh, children are no longer being born or conceived. Uh, so it's something very dystopian, um, and he uses long takes to, to allow the audience to in- intake that world, and he does the same thing here, so, like, there's the scene in, uh, in the, not Diagon Alley, what's the place, Kieran, what's the place outside Diagon Alley, the, the cult, the Leaky Cauldron? hmm Yeah, so in the Leaky Cauldron, when... Arthur Weasley is talking to Harry Potter, and he's sort of telling him about who Sirius Black is and how he, it's basically an expositional scene, um, but what Hwaran does in that scene is he takes uh, Harry Potter, and it starts with the camera kind of craning downwards, and we get this... Uh, it's almost raucous. This whole scene. It's it's Molly Weasley talking to her kids, and they're all kind of shouting at each other, and they're all kind of arguing. Right. Um, and everyone's coming down all into this one very this common area in in the shop, in the in the in the bar, in or the inn, the inn. Yeah. Um, and so then then Arthur takes Harry aside, uh, and they're at the in this this sort of alcove of the of the inn, and they're talking to each other, and you can still kind of see people. Going in the background, and this is all still in the same exact take. He's just steady camming, tracking them through, um, and then and then, uh, pulls them ahead further, uh, and so now the frame is closer on them than it was before, even. And Sirius Black, the the poster of Sirius Black in Azkaban, is framed directly in between them as they're talking to each other. Um, And then he pulls them back even further and now they're completely separated So it's just the two of them and it's it's a darker part of the thing So there's almost no light shining in and then as the scene finishes up Koran pushes in solely on Harry and Harry's the only one left in the frame. He's all by himself So it's this really interesting scene where the progression goes from loud Uh, busy everyone's kind of impacting Harry's life and then as he learns about Sirius Black as he learns about this person who is going to separate him from his friends who's going to who's a reminiscent of his past what this past that he's afraid of uh, and then as that happens Quoron reflects that visually in the camera by framing Harry as the only person in the frame and, and visually separating him from everyone else. Which is a thing that he does throughout the film where he he makes Harry alone in the frame. If you look at the scene later where Hagrid is talking about Buckbeak. Uh, the What's the thing? Buckbeak the hippogriff. hippogriff being sentenced to death. And Hagrid is standing in the water. Throwing the stones and stuff, and Hermione and Ron are on one side of Hagrid, and Harry is on the other <laughs> side of Hagrid, all by himself. With Hagrid being the barrier between them, and this and this other obstacle in the plot being represented through Hagrid is what's separating the two, uh, the the group of friends from each other.
1: This is wow, this is I just a
2: so- long-winded example, a long-winded way to explain uh, what Alfonso Cuarón is doing. He's he's thinking about what this movie is, what what the point of this movie is, uh, and then. Uh, very extrapolating that idea and using the language of film to communicate that in a very effective way.
1: I can tell that I'm going to have to keep an eye out for these things more in the future and try to understand them. I mean, if we look but at what's up, so here's an example, another example, then what's up with all the camera flying through glass and mirrors? Well, again, that's the, that's another communi- Another thing that, that Quaron is trying
2: to communicate, uh, he uses mirrors to sort of be a reflection of Harry's, uh, of what Harry is thinking and kind of, it's an it's, uh, interesting thing. It's just a, something that brings a visual interest uh, to the film itself. Like when, you know, when he goes in, the, when they're fighting the Bogart, and they're, they're in, the, in Lupin's class and the, the camera frames initially on the, the mirror and so you think it's just a regular classroom and then the camera goes through the mirror and then you realize, oh, that was only a reflection of the classroom, and now we're in the actual classroom itself. And so it, it creates this visual interest, but it also kind of uh, leans you into the movie more. It, 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 it sort of le- le- leads towards you being more interested in the movie. It's like it's like inviting you into uh, the intrigue of it. It's, it's sort of saying here's something that this is, now look at it differently. And that's a theme that's reflected uh, in throughout the movie with like Sirius Black. And so you look at Sirius Black, who's someone who Harry thinks is someone who killed his parents, but then he's forced later to look at that uh, through a different lens. And same thing with Lupin uh, becoming a, a werewolf and whether or not uh, who what his character actually means through that. I think that's one one explanation of it. But But mirrors are something that's that's uh represented throughout film in a very in a variety of ways and all have this sort of core idea of of looking at something and it being reflected back at you at yourself or whatever it is um and it's an interesting symbol like like citizen kane uses this symbol um to represent a a shattered, Uh, personality at the end when, when, uh, Kane stands and there's two mirrors on either side and he's reflected in one and the one reflects back to the other and it shows, and it metaphorically represents his, his, who he is being impossible to understand because it's, it can be seen in so many different ways. Um, and so that's one way that the mirror can be used, but here I think it's, it's used more so to, to represent, uh, Looking at one thing in a different way, which is why why he always passes through those. It's inviting you to to view the movie uh, through this lens and 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 reflect on the experience that you're currently having. Okay. Again, a long-winded way of explaining something. That's something that you can that you can subconsciously understand when you watch uh, the movie for yourself. But I right. think th- this is the reason. These are the reasons why we view Prisoner of Azkaban as the best harry potter movie in my opinion um others might say definitely hallows part two i think is a is another common consensus but i think it's a, it's one of the two right yeah yes but what do you guys think about the movie overall as, as as your thoughts how do you feel about this
0: uh overall i really like this movie um i enjoy it at all parts of it i think um you think I know for sure. Sorry, I'm gonna podcast bully you into giving a better opinion. Um, all right. Um, the Quidditch. There's a lot more Quidditch in this game, it, in this movie, as opposed to it, Goblet of Fire.
2: Yeah, where they just
1: cut it out. <laughs> yeah,
2: and for good uh, for good reasons. There's only
1: one Quidditch game, isn't there?
2: Yeah, there is. There's only one Quidditch game in each movie. If one or one or zero, I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I mean, in the movies, in the books, there's more than that
0: in some. But yeah, and for me, I'm not as long winded as uh, my brother Gideon is. But so, sorry, so. Butter um, so. Yeah. Um, I gauge my liking of a movie more on if I enjoyed it and if it had meaning to me rather than all these intricate. Um, Things about mirrors and fire and stuff. Or, what was it, mirror and light? Yeah, and mirrors and light. Those things fire are, is
2: not something that repeats in this in this film. It is, fire is something, believe it or not, that repeats in. The goblet of fire.
0: Wow. And those things are interesting when pointed out to me, but I don't really notice them um, during the movie, and I'm not sure if that's a bad thing, if I'm just not... Intelligent enough to uh, notice those things, but yes, a movie is good to me if I enjoy it, if it is interesting, and if it intrigues. um, If it has intriguing plot and characters, and and you would say this movie is all of the above, and this movie contains all of the above.
2: Well, yeah, like you said about the, about the, about the movie's uh, repeating motifs, uh, being glass and sort of this forward motion and uh, light. And the opening scene of this movie is Harry attempting to do the Lumos charm, the Lumos Maxima charm. And so we get this really interesting thing of the camera starting from from outside his house at the, at the Dursleys. And then we very quickly zoom in into his bedroom and see him attempt to do the Lumostorm, which is to create light and create a maximum amount of light. And then we go back out as as, as uh, uh, Mr. Dursley comes in and, and tries to catch him in the act. Um, and then we go and we obviously are going through a window uh, and then we go back in and we see him try it again. And so it's those two ideas of, 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 of light and glass and, and windows and stuff. Um, and then this forward motion and this this in and out sort of thing this this in and out motion and that in and out motion is uh explicitly used during the dementor scenes when the dementors are trying to suck out people's souls uh so it's this idea of pulling in and out and it's it's something that that hitchcock used in vertigo to communicate the the relationship between uh uh What's his name? Uh, Scotty and the and the woman who has got like twenty different names. So, I mean, he's got like twenty different names. He's called like Scotty, and I think John is. it. But like, people in that movie have a whole bunch of different names, and that's kind of like the a motif of the duplicity in in Vertigo. Um, but Hitchcock uses that to communicate the relationship between those two main characters. And but here, this this moving moving forward and then waiting and then slowly pulling back and then doing that over and over again is communicating this idea it's almost menacing in a way uh, of, of stealing something like you move forward you steal it and then you take it back and then you go forward again and then you take something and then you pull it back again and that's kind of what the Dementors are doing and so that that is used in two different ways it's used at the beginning to to emphasize the rhythm of Harry trying something over and over again and again that the Lumos thing that he does when he tries to to light the like the wand with with light uh is is precedes Later, where he will try an attempt to do the the Expecto Patronum Charm. And and that is something where Quran again, uses the exact same cinematic language to communicate later. So when he's at the beginning trying to do the Lumos Charm, he uses the exact same thing later when he's doing the Expecto Patronum Charm. So he's going in and out, in and out again. It's and the expect-
0: Patronus Charm.
2: The, well, Expecto Patronum is what you say. To, to, Except
0: it's called the Patronus the,
2: Charm. Okay, the Patronus Charm. And so... Uh, the Patronus charm is Directly again tied to the Dementors and so when he uses the expecto, he would use the Patronus charm uh, it, The fact that he's going in and out, So he's connecting those two ideas with each other this idea of light and this idea of, of robbing something So light is used to fight off uh, the Dementors which are trying to rob the soul of somebody right and so quoron is using the same camera movement to, to oppose those things with each other and use them as both the way that they're sort of attached to each other and, and the same motion with which they are used. Again, it's just core on understanding what the movie means, what the source material means, and then extrapolating that in the best possible way to communicate that in this particular medium.
0: I have a question for you. Do you come up with these long-winded explanations as you go? Like, does it just come to you, or... Do you premeditate these things and it, and like all of these thoughts are what's inside your head? Yeah, pretty
2: much all made that all that just now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I noticed that, I noticed during the movie, it's like, okay, he's going in and then coming back out. Like, I noticed that it's happening, but I only just connected those two things just now.
0: Yeah. Like you just put it towards.
2: I just put it towards just now. Like, I didn't even think, I didn't even really realize that, that he is doing the same thing with the mentors. I mean, I knew that he was doing it with the mentors, and then I knew that he was doing it with the, the Light. Um, but only just now did I kind of realize those are the same thing. And what the and, and then, well, after you notice it's the same thing, right? Mm. Then you have to kind of figure out, okay, so why is he doing that? So, like, the, the director's making a choice and from there you have to figure out why the director is making that choice and then after you figure out why he's making that choice you have to say what does that choice mean for the overall purpose of the movie and the overall purpose of this movie is is fear so the dementors represent fear and sort of how how fear controls our life but also they use it through memory and the past and how the past is able to control both us and our memory and our our fears and how how our, our our memories are related to fear and so harry's past is tainted by the death of his parents but also the death of his parents as related to the betrayal of Peter Pettigrew and so Harry's in his memory attributes that to Sirius Black after he learns that he thinks Sirius Black is the one who betrayed his parents. And so the fact that he's learning about Dementors, he he says he tells Lupin that he uses his past, he uses his memory of the past and the and the and the death of his parents to fight off the Dementors, which are also trying to feed on his fear of his past. So he's using his past to, to fight off exactly what, like he, Lupin says that you have to have a memory. Uh, to fight, to, to to conjure a Patronus charm. So it's those two things that are, dire- again, that are directly opposed to each other. Um, and that's, again, why Rowling, or not, I mean, this is the source material, but why, because pro- so is not the one making this choice, this is Rowling that's making this choice, but why she includes the the finale of this movie to be uh, centered around time travel and why they have to go back to the past uh, to, to defeat what's happening, to defeat, uh, not defeat, but to, to free... Both Buckbeak, who has been sentenced to death by the Ministry, and uh, Sirius, who has uh, also, also sentenced, also uh, sentenced to 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 well, Sirius has been sentenced to receive the Dementors' kiss. Um, but the reason why she's doing that is because that's directly again directly connected to memory and the past, which is the central uh, theme of the movie and why she's do- so. It's it's not it's not arbitrary that there's time travel at the end of this movie. It's very clearly. Uh, purposeful because it's it's the exact same thi- thing that Harry's kind of having to struggle with is, is his past and uh, and that's what the Dementors, the, the, the primary antagonist of this movie, the Dementors and what they represent and fear uh, and that's why they have to go back to the past at the end. It's not just because oh, time travel is cool. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so I mean let's get into scores then. I mean I kind of said all of that I wanted to get and uh, to keep this as concise as possible. So, first uh, first impression is our first category.
0: Yes. Um, this time we're using all three of our scores, correct?
2: I think so. I think if we use all three, we can... I think I can figure out how to divide and make it so it'll fit. You would multiply score of by
1: two and divide by three. And get a score out of 100. Right? Yeah. <clears throat>
0: So, for first impression uh, for me, which we decided is what my impression is immediately after watching this movie this time. Yeah. Um, I would give this movie probably, I don't know, a 10. 10. Yeah. Kieran gives it a 10. I give it a 10. This movie is very amazing. And it's magical, which um, is very unsurprising because it is a movie about magic, but it is magical in a different way, and that makes it turn into a 10 for me. I'll
1: give this movie a 9. I enjoyed it, and uh, much of the uh, texture that uh, I was aforementioned pops out at you pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, this is this is a 10 for me. I think... I mean, I've talked a lot. I've talked probably too much about this at this point. Yes, you have. No, nah, I haven't. You can never talk too much about something that's, that's this good.
0: Mm. There's
2: so much here. There's so much to delve into, both in with the filmmaking, but also as far as the purpose and meaning. And and apart from that, I mean, that's probably what's most important to me is, is the story and the structure and, and and what that means and how that, uh, the implications that has on on the experience of watching a movie. Uh, but as far as like even the... Even the the structure of these scenes and the adaptation of it, quran uh, and I think Steve Close was the one who wrote this, uh, you keep in what they need to keep in. It's, it's very, like, each... There are scenes in this movie. It's not, like, it's not very uh, montage. Like, I feel like Goblet of Fire feels like there's a lot of individual sort of interactions, uh, but there aren't very many scenes. Whereas, with, whereas in Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, these scenes feel... To have a a very nice progression, they start at one point and they have their arc and then they end. Where uh, like the scene where he finds out that Peter Pettigrew is is not that he finds out a rat, but he starts to suspect that Peter Pettigrew is still alive. So he looks at the map and he sees. Uh, what's happening and then he goes out into the hall and it's dark and then he opens his wand and then he sees peter Pettigrew's name on the nap again and it gets closer and closer and closer and then he finally goes away and then snape comes in and then he has to talk with snape and then and then Lupin comes in and then it has this very nice progression it has this very nice arc and it's a lot of information communicated just in that scene that i think in the in the book is is communicated over a little bit longer amount of time and then again that the, the the marauder's map which is introduced earlier in the movie when he goes to Hogsmeade actually. So so it's it's very nice foreshadowing. So so the 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 Marauder's map is a very important part of the story because it's how we find out that that Peter Pettigrew is is still alive. Uh, in this again this mystery element uh that that, that is carried over from the first two fil- from the first two films. Uh this mystery part of it that's that's a common thing that that appears. Uh, but the the Marauders map is given to him by by Fred and George Weasley uh, as a way to escape from Hogwarts because he can't go to Ho- because he can't go to Hogmead, so he goes to Hogsmead and that even is is even earlier in the movie when he blows up his aunt so he blows up, so it's this really interesting progression of events so we don't get to find out who Peter Pettigrew is unless a Harry Potter blows up his aunt and his his Uncle Vernon doesn't sign his papers to go to Hogsmead and then after he can't sign his fa- papers to go to Hogsmead he has to he has to find out a way to get to Hogsmead. Then, friend George give him the map. He uses the map to go to Hogney, but then later he also uses the map to find out who who Peter Pettigrew is. So, so it's this very this set of chain of events that's that's that happens from very early on, but then eventually fo- is followed up throughout the story. So it's not one set up early and then paid off later. It's set up. Continued setup, continued setup, continued setup, and then finally pay off. So it's this really interesting thing that you don't really even see very often in even mystery movies. Like usually it's one setup happens early. Uh, so like we look at something like. Uh, us, us, uh, Jordan Peele's us has a lot of setups and payoffs. So it's got the boat that turns like he says one time, uh, this boat turns left and can't turn right. And then later when the, when the, when the, uh, duplicated family finally attacks that pays off when the boat can't turn right. And that's how he defeats his duplicate. So that's one setup that happens and then it gets paid off later, but there's nothing really in between that. Whereas here, it's just really interesting that happening where, where those, those seeds are being planted, but then they're followed up throughout and allow for this really interesting progression of events that's really difficult to actually pull off. And it happens here because there's such a, a, a concise nature to the story and, and it's very efficient in the way uh, those those events play out.
1: Yeah, I would say generally speaking, it's difficult for somebody making a movie to adapt literature in a way that keeps those key elements and, and still tells roughly the same story with roughly the same... Uh, elements keeping everything um keeping everything together driving the characters and those are probably really difficult decisions to make uh for a filmmaker or for a screenwriter but uh the ones who do it well it, they they can make it work and it works out well yeah and we and we'll see in goblet of fire how they didn't do that as well in my opinion
2: uh but this is a 10 out of 10 for me next category is story uh, Scores, what do we think?
0: Yeah, I don't know, but everybody's looking at me, so apparently I have to go first on every e- single one of these.
1: I, that's I, that's usually how it works. Yeah, yeah
0: I know. Um, so I think for story, um, story, story, story. See, I'm not like you where I can just come up with words and then ramble on for two minutes. I have to think about You don't
1: have to say a ton.
0: Yeah, I don't think no I know part of it, it uh, whatever yeah go ahead um, story um, I'll give story uh, 10 out of 10 uh, mostly because I like the way that just everything's laid out especially with the time travel part where they have to go yeah, back so in brilliant. time and how it like fits together and the clues that are given throughout the throughout the movie um that come together uh at the end um yeah they just fit
2: yeah i agree and and like i said before with the with the those events being being played out earlier and then being paid off uh that's just one example of the brilliance that this movie is doing and i think the the time travel sequences does it do do, do do as well so like the time travel itself is is a very it makes a lot of sense um mostly
0: did uh, i say my score
2: yeah, you said ten. Okay, yeah. Uh, and so we get we get these setups in the time travel sections, uh, and and Hermione and Hermione's uh, possession of the Time Turner is 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 set up several times. She said, like we see throughout the the two first two thirds of the movie, she's it's hinted at about the Time Turner several times. Uh, but then at the end, uh, the first half of the time travel sequence, we see everything that happens. And then in the second half of the time travel sequence, we see everything that happened play out again from a different perspective. So again, dude, I, it's the exact same thing, like I just said. How how about the mirrors? So we get in the first in the first in the first half time travel sequence. Yep. We get things that are set up, and then the second half they're paid off. But they're paid off from a different. It's it's this thing of having one perspective and then seeing it from a separate perspective. So it's the exact same thing, but seen through a different perspective, just like a mirror, dude. I didn't even realize this until just now, but that's exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: You're hurting my mind, but yes.
2: That like I didn't even. But that's why. That's again why the, those mirror things, like when in, in, when they're fighting the ball guard, they. See See one thing, and then it changes, but it's from a different perspective. But it's the exact same thing. It's what happens during. It's how the time travel functions.
1: Yeah. So, like the
2: time travel functions in different ways. So, like in Back to the Future, it's when they time travel. They're time traveling, but they're traveling traveling back to a completely separate time. So it's not the same thing. Whereas here, they're time traveling back onto the exact same thing that has just happened. So they're viewing it the same things from different different perspective. Even though they're the ones causing what's happening to happen again this movie is insanely brilliant. I don't know how this story works as well as it does. It's it's crazy great. Uh, this is a 10 out of 10.
1: I give it an 8. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the parts that, that you're talking about there. Uh, in terms of the story, I I feel a little bit like and I'm not I'm maybe not enough of a literature critic to really comment on this, but I feel like J.K. Rowling relies a little bit too much on this theme of there's always in every story one to three people that are not anything close to who they seem to be um <laughs> yeah it's it's that mystery part and of it I, that's used over and over again and i i don't know what to think about it it's a little bit it's like she's really trying hard to trick us every single time and i don't i don't know it feels it feels like that's a little bit too common in in stories these days, um, it's almost like it's just in fashion.
2: Yeah, I think she does that in the in the these first four. Yeah, not in the in fifth in the fifth movie. one. She doesn't do that really at all. In the sixth. In movie. the sixth one. She Wait, also, which one the fifth? Fifth one is Order of the Phoenix. So our main characters okay. are pretty much all who we think they are.
0: That's what the whole point of this sixth movie is: the Half Blood Prince. Yeah,
2: the sixth one does, and even the seventh one does a little bit also, like with Snape.
0: Yeah. But it's more—it's more in the sixth movie finding out about Snape.
2: Yeah, so probably the fifth one is the one where she sixth does that book. the least. Um, I think we'll, we'll get—we haven't seen, the, watched the fifth one again yet. But I think uh, five is better than four. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, at least so, the
0: book is—I like the book five better than book four. Yeah. So well, we'll get—we'll get to Goblet we will get, we'll even, get to with we'll of Fire in a second. Uh, acting scores. Oh wait, can I say one more thing? Yeah, you can. Um,
2: Keep it concise. Yeah,
0: I know. Also, I noticed how um, in this movie they're actually in classes, and for and I don't know. I just like the the classroom feel, and they don't do that at all in the first, second, or fourth book that we've reviewed so far. But they actually do have scenes in the classes, but they also use that. Yeah, they use it for clues yeah. and for. Character development. Character yeah, character development.
2: Like like the learning has a direct imp like this this is why this is the best one. Because the learning that they are learning at Hogwarts Mm -hmm. has a direct impact on what happens in the adventure aspect. So like Harry learning to fight a bogart what he fears again so like uh, Bogart turns into what you fear and then lupin says oh you fear mentors, you fear something what you fear is fear itself that's very wise so that again it's it's very it's very intentional that they're fighting something that turns into something that fear but and but that happens inside the classrooms mm-hmm. in the classroom setting uh and then again when he's learning the patronus and, and stuff so that's that those are the two classroom things that i can think of the most I, is there any other than that and
0: also the big one is uh uh with the uh, crazy lady who has big glasses. Oh yeah, with the
2: with the with the prophecy stuff. So again, looking into the future. It's again that 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 motif of, of past and future. So she her the point of that is to look into the future and see and this this ominous. Uh, fear. If you look into the future too much, you're gonna you're gonna see something and you're gonna and you're gonna misperceive things. So he sees the grim, and he immediately assumes, oh, I'm gonna die or there's gonna be this big thing and and, the, and he's, he's misconstruing uh, the the f- the form of Sirius Black as the, as a dog as something that's dangerous when in fact it's not. So I think it's the theme of like looking into the future too much and, and trying to try to understand the future when you haven't gotten there yet is not so much a great idea. But but you can still gain. But instead you can look to the past and gain power from there instead of having fear of it so uh past and future are not things to be feared but things to be learned from uh and that's why those class class uh classes are observed uh so let's move on to the next category acting you want me to go first kieran
1: so you can have time to gather your thoughts (laughs) yeah
2: gather your thoughts kieran
1: we know it might take a while yes (laughs) um i'll i'll say for acting uh an eight again i think um Let's see, we got Alan Rickman. We, we got some pretty good uh pr- uh pretty solid actors in this. We got Emma Thompson showing up, we've got um dude, yeah. She plays Trelawney. Tre- okay. Yeah. Um and who's the guy that plays uh, How Sirius many Black? Emma's are there.
2: Yeah, yeah, Emma Thompson plays plays Trelawney and then they bring in Gary
1: Oldman to play Serious <laughs> Black. Yeah. Yeah, he, which which is pretty good. It's, Dude, it's he's pretty spot well on. done. Yeah, um,
2: he's Gary Oldman. Um, and and actually, um, put that next to like him playing Churchill, for crying out loud. It's like two completely opposite sizes. It's like as skinny as and as and as fat as you can possibly get. And who's the defense <laughs> against the
1: dark Arch teacher in this year? Lup- oh, it's Lupin. He's played actor. by, uh, yeah, David sol- Thewlis. Solidly, David Thewlis is the guy's name. And we get a new Dumbledore in this movie as well. Yep. Ah,
0: finally. <laughs> Which, yeah, finally. Which uh, less
1: better less he... less
2: beard, more facial expression. Yep, <laughs> he's better here than he is in Goblet of Fire. But I think that's more due so to the directing and understanding of the source material. There's so many times in Goblet of Fire where Dumbledore th- does things and says things that he would never that he does. Harry, Harry did you put your he, name in the Goblet of fire? fire? Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> He's, like, so pasted, Harry. Like, dude, you said that completely with a calm tone in
0: the book. So, um, my score for acting, my score for acting would, um, probably be a nine. Um, nine for acting. Um, I think that all the actors were superb and, um, yeah. Like Lupin, Sirius. Um, yeah, it's all spot on. Snape, Hagrid, even even Hagrid. Mhm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's all spot on. I mean, it's it it's, they they
2: also have better material to work with, uh, but I, I do think that they're all doing exactly what they need to do to service the story. Um, so I'm giving this a nine as well. Next category is look and feel. So visual effects, score, etc.,
1: aesthetic overall. Uh, I As thought the, the visual story. effects were close to perfect. Not, I wouldn't say perfect, probably, no, they're not but perfect. but um, but it never really takes you out of the story. Um, you know, you got you got dragons and fire and that's, nope, that's the, the Goblet one. of
2: Fire. There's no dragons this
1: one. Oh, <laughs> I skipped ahead one story. <laughs> Uh let's see. You got what do you got for some you got some moving uh photographs. Dementors. You got some dementors. dementors the dementors. dementors look fine. I thought fine. all the dementors, Those dementors looked dementors pretty good. Though. Um you got ice. You've got um uh, rain. The, the pumpkins were weak. Um, the pumpkins were real.
2: Those no, they were that's, that's Those why. were not
1: CGI'd. They looked You don't think they were plastic. they were
2: probably plastic. They're probably plastic, but they weren't CGI. I didn't
1: say they were CGI. I said they were weak. I don't know. They look fine to me.
0: They look like plastic.
1: They look like plastic pumpkins to me. Now, if it turns out that they actually grew them, then that would be like the thing that you would expect to find out that, oh, but chances of them using real pumpkins, I don't know. It depends how long they had to film the scene, I suppose. Christopher anyway.
2: Nolan planted
1: an entire cornfield for Interstellar and then <laughs> sold it for a profit. <laughs> <laughs> sold the field or the corn? Probably both. I, yeah. So, anyways, uh, look at in look and feel. Um, I mentioned again texture. There's there's a, a, ri- a richness to what's here and a depth um, that I think goes towards this. So nine, ten. I'm changing to ten. Changing to ten. Holy cow. Wow.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah.
2: I think that I'm also gonna give this I not a ten. I'm gonna give this a nine. Uh, Jamiel score again on point. Perfect. Uh, visual effects are. Better than the first two, but still not perfect. Um, but Alfonso Cuarón's uh, cinematographer—I don't know who did this—but uh, this is spot on. It looks exactly like it needs to from a cinematography standpoint. Um, those those shots where they move through uh, glass is is really great. And again, like we said for the first two movies, uh, with, with with real elements interacting with with the with the CG ones, like the like the bits of pieces of paper that come out of the out of the book the monster book of monsters uh stuff like that uh really adds to the realism of this
0: is the book of monsters cg
2: uh i don't know it's probably half that that is probably when it's half practical half cg probably that's probably primarily practical though Uh, but like where it's moving and stuff that's going to be cg um yeah nine for me um but again, I think probably where the point comes off is for is for the the CG at points. Like the the hippogriff doesn't look perfect, um, yeah. But overall, this is spot on as far as uh a, a look and feel goes. Um, the seasons changing. Yeah, that's pretty. That cool. gives that adds a real texture to the look and feel, and, and as as
0: that uh, evolves throughout the throughout throughout the story. Yeah. Um, for look and feel, I think. Um. I would go along with uh, you, Dad, and I'll give it a 10. Um, yeah. Just the way that they move throughout the grounds of Hog- Hog- Hogwarts, it just all feels real and connected. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, they, they what Koran does to, to give you that sense is uh, towards the beginning and then throughout, he has this bird. Mm-hmm fly through all these all these major parts that we're going to be visiting throughout the rest of the movie even though there's no people there so like the bridge he has a bird fly over and then the, and the camera tracks the bird obviously and then hagrid's hut, and then that and then that staircase where where hermione punches malfoy and then all these places that they're going to be have to travel through and to get to their adventure at the time traveling part and
0: especially the so Willow.
2: yeah the whomping willow also uh so we isn't under- this the one where the whomping willow eats the bird yeah well, twice
0: actually <laughs> twice
2: yeah, um so maybe it's maybe it's the same time maybe. So it's uh understanding the geography of Hogwarts in this one I think better than anywhere else. You mm-hmm. really understand where things are in relation to each other. So like you have to go through the bridge to get to that to get to that point uh where you look down at Hagrid's and then you go down to Hagrid's and then from Hagrid's you go into the forest. And so it's it's and then after that you go back to the Whomping Willow uh after, like it's and that's where you come out of uh, the Shrieking Shack and stuff. And so you you go through the 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 Willow to get to the Shrieking Shack, and then again, you go from the Shrieking Shack to get to the, that's the passageway, you get to the Hogsmeade, and then, like, all these things that you understand, the the passage between Hogsmeade and Hogwarts, like, you understand the geography very well, because, uh, uh, Koran takes care to show you, uh, characters going to and from there, and, and understanding, the way that they're doing that and and how far it is and everything like it's it's a very like there aren't very many movies that have such a huge structure like hogwarts um and you understand the intimate geography of all of it like the only thing that i can think of where a house like you you understand as well as this is like parasite, parasite. yeah
0: <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs>
2: <laughs> where it's like between the, the the big house and the and then, and then the semi basement uh and how far it truly is to get between those two things and then the semi basement itself you is very small but you still understand the intimate geography of it of it but then the, the big house it's like you know you could I, you can recreate that from memory um uh yeah so which
0: you did try to do I tried to do on Minecraft in Minecraft
1: <laughs> yeah I, but I in, for like 10 minutes and then I gave up but in in Hogwarts however I I'm not sure I there's a whole lot that there to that castle that you're like you're not I don't know if you're getting an intimate you're getting an intimate well inside part Hogwarts of a couple of the pieces but as as that. to how they fit together I'm not so sure
2: Inside Hogwarts itself not so much but like Hogwarts is its own entity I feel like uh, and things they are not
0: even in Hogwarts. Yeah. For a lot much. of it, they're, they're not outside. Super, yeah. They're mostly. most
2: of the time they're outside of Hogwarts. So it's At like Hogwarts in... itself. You understand where Hogwarts is, but then everything else, you pretty much map out pretty clearly. It's like Hogwarts. And then it's that bridge. And then it's the, this, this house that where she punches Malfoy. And then there's these stones that they look down to Hagrid's hut from. Right. And then there's the Whomping Willow over here. And then there's Hogsmeade. Like, or then the, the, that leads to the Shrieking Shack. And then there's Hogsmead at some point, like the, the passageway between there and Hogsmead, like it's you, you understand. And then there's this hill where they have to go through the forest is all the way out here. Like you pretty much understand. And then the most important part is that you understand where all that stuff is in relation to each other and how they get from it, and where they can go and where they can't go and where there are passages and where there aren't. Like it's, it's very clear. Yeah. So effect is the next category.
0: Um, Effect. Well, this is the point where, uh, Harry first thinks that Sirius is a murdering lunatic, and then he finds out that he's his godfather, who is a raving lunatic, and then he finds out that he's not a raving lunatic, and then, uh, he finds out that, uh, Lupin is a werewolf, and then Lupin and Sirius (sighs) fight and then Lupin gets injured, or Sirius gets injured, and then they both get sucked by a Dementor, and then he, they're on the verge of death. Just Sirius' emotions connected with him are crazy, and not to mention more. So for effect, I will give this one a 10.
1: Bro. Nice. I'm calling it a 7. I, I did not feel the emotional impact... Of of this story all that much um, through this film, um, even I guess even in the book I would say that there wasn't a ton of emotional impact for me for whatever reason. But um, but based on what's going on in the story, you think it should be higher than what it is. Uh,
2: I kind of disagree with that. Uh, I kind of connect to that that last scene where uh, Sirius and Harry are talking, and, and Harry's like uh even if even if everyone you love dies they'll still live on in your memory and you can still uh get them through that and that's, that kind of has some really interesting uh context to it or not sub yeah not subtext context with with uh taken in the context of the whole series where series is eventually going to die in order of the phoenix and so it's this really kind of poignant moment where uh you look at this 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 book at this story outside of time, and you kind of understand what this the implications that this has on Harry and how his his life can feel hopeless at times. About he's always gonna be stuck with the Dursleys, or he's never gonna find uh, uh, peace in his life. Um, but Sirius is kind of able to teach him that that this memory again, this idea of memory that's that's tied to the core of this movie uh that he shouldn't be afraid of of what's going to happen this he, the, the fear of the past or fear of the future should not uh inhabit him, inhibit him not inhabit inhibit him from <laughs> <laughs> inhibit him from living a, a life um and that even if it even if it tries to he still has the memories that he can hold on to and the memories again are the way th- that he creates the patronus with uh in the climax of the film uh, which he creates by uh, u- uh using the memory of his father uh yeah which is crazy, and that and that and that does uh, emotionally resonate with me. Uh, although it's not the most emotionally resonant of the of the of the series, I think. I think like five when Sirius actually dies, or like six when Dumbledore dies, or like seven when Snape's uh, true connection to Harry is revealed. Uh, All five, all three of those probably have more emotional resonance with me. Like those kind of, they kind of hit you pretty hard with that, uh, more than here, but I think this one is a more kind of intellectual effect than it is a a raw emotional effect. Uh, so I think
0: effect is also intellectual.
2: Yeah. Effect is also intellectual, Uh, which is why this is like a nine for me probably, because I think as far as like the amount of thoughts that it makes me think, think, thinking the thoughts and thoughts of thinking, Mm -hmm. it made me think thoughts. Um, and, and, the- and those thoughts also made me feel things so it's like this, this interesting connection between those two things like uh, the more you think about something the more it makes you feel is something that I, I really love uh, that, that really resonates with me of, of movies that can uh, not make you have a purely emotional reaction but you have to think about and when you think about them they actually become more uh, emotionally riveting and I think this, this doesn't uh, entirely fit into that category but it does uh, mostly so I think 9 is a good score for me for this category So, that brings us to a total of 92 out of 100 for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Now, let's get on to Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is about Harry, and he wants to put... All of his friends want to put their names in the Goblet of Fire, but he doesn't. Uh, And so he doesn't, but then miraculously... His name ends up in there, and he has to all of a sudden compete in the Triwizard Tournament, a deadly uh, set of three games in which uh, characters from three different schools must compete for to be the winner. And there's a mystery involved about who is controlling these games and what the game, the purpose of the games is, and what this is all in fact leading to. And there's drama. And there's conflict, and there's explosions of all sorts. So, what do we feel about *Goblet of Fire*? I don't really have much to say on this movie, except that it's not great.
0: *Goblet of Fire*, you didn't like this movie?
1: Did you like this movie? What?
0: Yes, I, I thought I liked it was it. fine.
1: I like all the Harry Potter movies. I, there's, there. I have a few issues with it, which will end up probably being reflected in my scores uh one of them is that the the uh the goblet the triwizard cup is it looks like something that somebody bought out of of a swords store in the mall and uh so that was just a little weird um and then another issue (laughs) it's just a weird small thing that really sticks out to me um the but oh, but overall, you know, I think the story is fine. I enjoy it. Story um, is not good. I think that the uh, you know you got your your Quidditch World Cup with the uh, with the big screen that's made out of people holding up their little cards uh, with Crumb going. <gasps> <sighs> Honestly, and, they can. Do, uh, the only reason the Quidditch World Cup in this movie is to introduce the
2: Death Eaters, right? That's the only reason. This yeah, sp- and yep. so but like. <sighs> We already get an introduction to Barty Crouch in the in the beginning with Harry's dream sequence. So, like, realistically, if you had to, you could cut out that entire thing because they cut they cut the quit the cup itself. So, like in the book, yeah. this makes sense because it's th- fleshing out the world. It's something that fits into a longer format, um, and you get to understand a lot of things. It's a lot of character introduction. So, you get introduced to Barty Crouch. You get introduced to uh, Malfoy. You get introduced to Crum. Uh, Crum. You get introduced to Cedric. You forgot one thing all in this opening Quidditch sequence. So it's it's very exposition-centered, but at the same time...
1: It you get f- introduced to one other thing. You get introduced to spaces that can be larger on the inside than on the outside.
0: Yes!
1: Magic. Hmm, that is true.
2: Yeah, you're right. And, no, and port keys. Yep, and, all, the, keys all, those and those, all those things are, are important to the story. Very, very true. Right. Um, so it is, it's basically an exposition dump, but you don't really realize it because it's Quidditch. But I feel like if they had actually included the Quidditch match, it would have felt less like an exposition dump, and you would actually like kind of, it would have been less obvious what they were doing. Whereas to me, it's that like, okay, this quidditch. is just a lot of introduction of stuff. Sure. Uh, it's, it's 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 a. It's sort not.
1: Of it's not. I wouldn't say magical it's cl- clunky.
2: It's not clunky. It's just like, it, it, no, I think it is clunky. It's a lot of. It's like I said before with that scene with Harry going into the into the hallway. It's it's this. It's a lot of information being conveyed, but. Happens in a scene that has a beginning, middle, and end. Whereas this quidditch and sequence, Cedric.
1: oh, you said Cedric.
2: Whereas this quidditch sequence, it's like a 10-15 minute sequence where it's just like a lot of individual bits and parts that are happening. It doesn't have this overall arc of a scene. It's like, it's very like I feel like there's a better way to do this where. You get the essential bits of information, like the port key and the whereas in a book, it makes sense to communicate it this way, right. But in the movie, it's like this feels like oh, I'm here and then I'm there. It's like it feels very jerky. It's not smooth. It doesn't work as as a as a scene itself. it ha- it's just a lot of uh, co- cobbling together information in this in this quidditch setting. And so I don't dig it. Okay. Yeah, it's just not great. Uh, and then they get to the. Well, and then they go to Hogwarts and they've got the, you know, the goblet drawing and stuff. And Dumbledore gets mad at Harry for putting his goblet name the, the goblin fire
0: for some reason. And the dancing of it's the. This is poor direction, probably. <laughs> the dancing of the, the two dancing is so cringe. On, on their way. And Kieran's like, the- <laughs> before we watched this, I was like, yeah, you remember the
2: dancing? And Kieran's like, yeah, that was cool. And I was like, no, it's not. And then we I watched I didn't say it. it
0: like that. I was like, it, I remember that being sort of cool. And no, I didn't it's, say. It's, I didn't say like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. But no, it's cringe, right? It's, it's super very yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, and the, even even the way that they're outfitted, like the the German-Russian cr- guys are. Their their clothes are. The, I don't know, the Bulgarians, is, you mean? Is they're, Bulgarian? yeah, is they're Bulgarians? Yeah, they're Bulgarians.
0: It's cultural appropriation, dude. Uh, I but think what do you know about cultural I,
2: appropriation?
1: I,
0: they taught about in school.
1: <laughs> they're just. <laughs> I I think they're a little bit too wooden. Although although maybe if you are from Bulgaria, <laughs> you uh, you might might be that way. I'm Actually, sure. there's I no
0: intellectuals from Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> that's just straight
2: up racism.
0: <laughs> I know. I didn't mean it.
2: <sighs> but that's basically what they dumb them down to. And then the the French girls are just. Hotties that everyone wants.
1: Yeah, I, for the ball.
2: all of them except okay. for the one that actually I, competes. Like, what's the point of the ball sequence? Hermione. Like it's 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 the conflict between Ron and Hermione, and then Harry and Ron kind of coming together after their friendship being broken. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the the primary plot of of um the Mad Eye being Barty Crouch, uh and trying to get Harry to Voldemort so Voldemort can be resurrected from the dead. Uh, the the ball sequence doesn't really have an impact on that. So it's, yeah. it's this thing of, like, in, in Prisoner of Azkaban, we get some of these things that may seem arbitrary, but they all kind of point towards this ending time travel sequence of... Of the two different things, ha- of the of the Buckbeak and and Sirius, those two uh, points of climax, and then those two even dovetail with each other when when Sirius has to ride off on Buckbeak to be saved. So that's another brilliant turn where they, those two things are, are they seem unrelated, but those two things actually are very important to each other for for the ending that even happen. Whereas here, uh, the with the ball the ballroom scene feels like it could have been cut, uh, and and the the ending of Harry ending up. Uh, in the graveyard to Reservoir Voldemort could have happened all the same. And so I think that's something where the book might excel at because it can use the ball to flesh out the world and kind of introduce these these smaller character dramas where still kind of uh, leading towards that. It might work better in that medium than it does here, whereas here it just kind of feels extraneous.
0: Yeah, I feel like like you're saying, there's a lot that they're adding that isn't necessary, but I also think that there's a lot that needs to be added also. To make it make more sense right a lot a lot of it is is there's just
2: random stuff that they have to kind of explain and to explain it they need to do these other scenes like the whole I mean it's just a subplot which is it's like a true subplot but it doesn't have any impact on the main plot it's only used as uh, a way to 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 add a counterpoint to what's happening with Harry in the main plot and but it's like after the go- after the ball scene has happened it cuts immediately back to Harry's dream sequence again. Uh, it goes to him having the same dream that he has at the beginning. And it's like, if he, the, the tones are just so jarring. They, they, they don't mesh with each other at all. Uh, the, and so I think that's another thing that this movie has a problem with is, is, is tone. Uh, tone management. Because you've got these sort of like teenage drama things that are happening. And it's very uh, lighthearted. And it's just like, you know, they're kids in school. Uh, whereas then it's this very dark and brooding like Voldemort's coming back to kill us all and those two things don't really mesh with each other whereas in it Prisoner was probably of Az-
1: intentional though.
2: It might be intentional but we're in Prisoner of Azkaban you've got the classroom sequence and the teenage drama stuff and that all like we said before has a direct impact on the adventure and the and the 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 very serious stuff and those things are are very they're 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 integral. They're 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 in uh, Intertwined with each other in in an inseparable way Whereas here those two things feel like they could be separate from each other and they don't really comment on each other at all They don't seem to have any impact on each other in a way that uh, a great story really would. Alright, so let's get right into scores First impression. How do we feel about this? movie um, I suppose I can start I'm giving this a six. Uh, I was down. I, I looked in my letterbox. Uh, follow me at Gideon a 113. Uh, and I had given this a eight, uh, however, whenever that was. And then the next time I watched it, I gave it a seven and this time I'm giving it a six. This is gen- ge- gradually declined, uh, as it has gone on for me, this is uh, lucky, it's not a five. Well, that's actually not true. It's it's got enough going for it that it could be a seven, but it's just so messy to me. Um, I watched it in 2017, 2018, and now
1: 2020. Uh, so yeah, not not my favorite. I'll say six. I felt for sure that it lost a step compared to the previous uh, movie, and and that's probably uh, you know maybe it's not fair to compare it, but it definitely. Uh, Forces you're forced to compare it because you watch it right after the one before it and it loses a step, yeah. Man, um, I'll give this one a seven,
0: um, because I don't maybe I don't care as much about the flaws and I don't know, just had a good time, just yeah. you know, like we said before, hanging
2: out with Harry Potter and having a good time, having a good time, Harry Potter, uh, seven, all right. Uh, next category is story. Story. <laughs> um. as much as, yeah, this is the worst part of this. Like it just falters on so many levels for me in this one. Uh, there's still some stuff that it pulls off really well. Like the, the Mad-Eye Moody mystery is, is very uh, effective. But again, like, like you said, dad, that's something we've seen done before already to this point. Uh, it's just like, it works. It's, it's great stuff. It's great foreshadowing. Uh, but it's been done in the Harry Potter series, even. Like I said, uh, you fault the Chamber of Secrets for for not jumping off uh, of 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 uh, philosopher's stones setup, and uh, Prisoner of Azkaban does that, and I think Ch- and Goblet of Fire doesn't add, doesn't do that as well. Uh, this is a five for story for me.
1: I'll say six. I I um I don't I don't necessarily agree that the Mad Eye Moody stuff is is done all that well actually. I there's, there's a couple things wrong with it One is that we don't have any prior experience with Moody So how are we supposed to even have any clue That he's not who he thinks he is that, Like if you, if you had no concept of what's going on in this story If you, if you hadn't read the book or seen the movie before you, The fact that Mad-Eye Moody ends up not being Mad-Eye Moody But he's Barty Crouch Jr. Is gonna, it's going to catch you completely in the side of your head so I, I think that um, I, I don't know. It, it feels almost a little ham fisted. I
2: mean, you do get you do get that glimpse of of who eye truly is in the um, the what's it called here in the the seek the the memory place. The Pensive? The Pensive, yeah. In the Pensive, you look at uh, Mad-Eye Moody as he truly is, and you can tell there's a difference. He mm-hmm. gets one line. He, but, you, but you do see that he's different than he is. So More it's, happy it's,
0: and stuff, I guess. No, he's
2: just kind of, yeah, he is. Di- he's different. Um, and Barty Crouch is actually in that room at the same time. Uh, but, yeah, so there is that.
1: The other issue I have is is why does Barty Crouch Jr. have to get Harry to win the, the tournament in order to get him to... Yeah, it's to complete the nonsense. He who must not be named. There's, could could have could have just made a port key and said, "Hey, come to my office." Yeah, and done that. I know it's nonsense. It's
0: because you gotta get the.
2: It's, it's the a cast. Com- yeah, I know exactly. It's it's what the entire movie is built around, and it makes no sense. That's another reason why this movie makes. It's so- not
1: the movie's fault. That's it what is, it is what the book does. What the book
2: does. Yeah, it's just like the entire story is built around the Triwizard Tournament, uh, which the whole point is to get here to the graveyard. But, like, how many different ways can you think of to get Harry to a graveyard? The, the poor key, million. like, just... He's like, hey, Harry, come touch this this piece of gold. He picked,
1: like, the most difficult one. Yeah,
2: it's, like, the most complicated thing for the most simple thing ever. It's, it's Goldbergian. Just, yeah, it's... Yeah, I hadn't thought about it's that just before. A, I had thought about that every time I watched this movie. Really? <laughs> yes, it's so dumb.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, and that's,
2: why, that's another reason why the story Is, is it my, to
0: my yeah, turn to turn go for a story. story? Um... I'll give it a six. Um, yeah. There's just so much mess of stuff going on. Massive and, stuff. Uh, and other than and there's so much stuff that's going on other than, than the main. Even if the three tasks is, a important storyline. There's so much stuff, because that's more more of the main part. Yeah. And that and Barty Crouch. Junior and Mad Eye, and there's just so much stuff that, uh, r- uh, r- uh, Rabbit trails off of that. Sure. Is yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, acting. Next category.
1: What's the, well? There's the actor that plays Moody. He's he's always good.
0: He's yeah. Always
1: solid. Brendan Gleason, I use his name. Yeah.
0: And I guess part of what you said is. These is the same actor but if he can if we can tell that he's a different person which I think sort of we can based off of that one line that's got to be give him some credit right sure
2: I mean yeah I mean you you've got Alan Rickman doing the best work of the whole series every single time up to bat he's not really in this movie a whole ton uh mm-hmm. the Bulgarians are all cringe yep like the Karkaroff they did a really good job of being wooden. Yeah. Crumb is not. It's yes. like, he's like
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Shaking his fist. His one and sole uh, emotion that he does not portray very compellingly. Um, <laughs> and the and the teenage drama stuff is just like it's like okay, who cares? Okay, I don't care. I mean, well, certain, also long hair.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of long hair. Every single person has long hair.
2: Um, so I think acting in this film, I will go
0: for a six. As a score. um for my score I'll go for a I'll take a seven because nothing I'll give you a seven thank you
2: you're welcome like other because you asked
0: other than the crumb and the Bulgarians and I I guess didn't really take me out of the movie and every everything else was fine yeah so like a so, six a seven <laughs>
1: Uh dad score. I'll give it a f- solid fair to midland 7. Cool.
2: Look and feel, what do we got? Look and feel. Um It's not as good as one, two, or three. No. Because it doesn't have the practical elements of one and two, and it also doesn't have the visual mastery that Quorum brings to it in three. So it's definitely less than either of those. Um, So I think I gave the first two an eight, and I gave Azkaban a nine, so I'm giving this a seven. Because it's still Harry Potter, it still has this visual uh, uh, edge to it, and it's got... I don't think John Williams is doing the score anymore. Um and it's got the visual uh, stuff of the Wizarding World and stuff, but overall it's just nothing as compelling or even, like, cohesive as the first three.
0: Yeah, I thought... I don't know, I thought it was fine. I thought the dragons looked realistic. Yeah. And the mermaids, even, and the water. um, That wasn't bad. And neither was the maze. So I'm going to give it an 8. The maze is
2: another thing. The maze is, like... So different in the. Did both. you
0: give, did you give the first one an eight? First look and feel. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm giving this one an eight, because I think. Yeah, it's good. good. Yeah. yeah,
1: you're good, Dad. I um I want to point out a couple of things. First off, um. Ron Weasley's shirts, especially the green one, just kept showing back up. I really. And, and that, along with the hair, I really thought that they were uh, doing a good job of making the Weasley family uh, be just like the Partridge family. And Ron was supposed to be Danny Partridge, Danny Bonaducci. Really good job there, guys. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it was everything else was fine. The dragons were okay. The maze was fine. The Graveyard was fine. It was fine. I feel like the Graveyard... Seven. ...is too
2: light almost. Like, there's too much green in that Graveyard. They should have gone, like, full noir and, like, been almost black and white. Hmm. Although, you're going to get that in the later in the later films with Voldemort. Everything with him is going to look basically like that. Here, I think they could have done that. It's, it's almost too saturated uh, in a way. But, I, I mean, w- I suppose I- they're trying to do that progression thing where it becomes less and less saturated. As the films go on but whatever
1: i have a, also have an issue with uh, the actor portraying cedric diggory cedric diggory is one of my favorite characters dude what's this, wrong with robert pattinson he's like series. film
2: twitter's god
1: and uh yeah he, he' he didn't feel quite right for the character really i disagree
2: I oh i thought he was fine yeah he's robert pattinson
1: well, then they should have taken away some of the sunken cheeks. This, I don't know, whatever. They could have gained a little weight, put on a little bit of muscle, it would have felt better. Maybe. Do you think so?
2: I don't know. I, he's fine. Um, that Well, we're not even on acting anymore, so too late. Yeah. That's not acting,
0: that's feel. No, that's he acting. He felt like he
2: was... So you're talking about like costume design then? No, I'm talking about... Because that's part of look and feel. I'm talking about casting.
0: Casting is acting.
2: Uh, effect is our last category.
0: Effect. Not effect, effect. Effect with an E. Yeah.
2: Um Score, Kieran. Three, two, one, sorry. two.
0: Sorry. Uh, eight. Eight. Um Why? Do I have to tell you why? Yes, that's, part, that's what this is. Because why? Um, I'm giving it an 8. Because... Um, oh crap. <laughs> dude, you not know you know say that on the podcast. Think, think, Oh, uh, sorry. Think, uh, think, p- 3, p- put 2, me, Put one, me down to a do 7, it, actually. It, do it, Put me down to a 7. Alright. Uh, Actually, maybe... I don't Make know. Make up maybe your a mind, six. dude. I don't know. This Okay, put me at a 6 for effect. At a 6? Yeah, a 6. Dude, but, because... but at the
2: end, Cedric D. goes, My boy! Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was my thinking boy! about. My boy! That's what
0: I was thinking about. That's <laughs> my... Okay, so put it at a 7. Because of that.
2: What have they done to my boy?
0: Other, other than that, there's nothing really... And, yeah. Robert Pattinson sitting there all dead.
1: <laughs> my boy! Just like in all of his other movies. My boy! <laughs> Does he die? No, he's, he's the undead. Oh, no, he's not a
0: zombie, he's a vampire. Same thing. No. I've heard it both ways.
2: Vampires have to die first. Does he die in good time? I think he does.
1: Well, I say five, and, and the reason has also at the same, uh, in the same, um, has to do with the same reason. Um, Cedric was one of my favorite characters in the book, and, why? I, I felt like he was he was a uh, a unique character. He stood out from the rest in in the way that he was fleshed out, the way that he was portrayed he's a as a that well, that very well could be. He was just portrayed as a a really bright and honorable young man, um, among other things, which I can't think of because they kind of so capture that. I read the they book. They, they do that. a little bit, but not nearly as well as the book. And um, and then the thing about the way that his story ends is it is that it really emotionally affected me as I read it. Um, and, it and as I watched this movie, it didn't affect me emotionally at all.
0: Hmm.
2: Dang, that hurts, bro. Big, big, big loss there. Yeah, and I, f- I felt like that was one of the mm-hmm.
1: biggest impacts of emotionally of any any moment in this whole series of books
2: yeah i mean at, when he at, at the end it's kind of you kind of in the movie gets you a little bit but it's like it feels contrived here it's like like he's acting he's acting my boy uh big capital a acting he's like ah! but like there's not the 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 good storytelling happening ahead of time there's not the 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 grounding there's no yep. And the relationship between for that to work as it
1: it needs to. The relationship between Harry and Cedric also, I don't think, was developed nearly as much as it should have. I mean, it's there, but it's there, but in the book, it's way richer. Yeah, it feels like something that needs to take place over time, and this movie
2: doesn't doesn't. I mean, it's 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 very quick, and and it's a long movie as it is, and so it kind of helps for the effect as far as a experience uh, of brevity goes.
0: It's a very long movie. No, it doesn't feel super long though. That's true. Oh yeah, I can give it credit. Like it doesn't feel as long as Chamber
1: Secrets, but. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna point out one other weirdness here that. I'm I'm jumping back to the story category, but why does Diggory have to die anyway? If you think about his character, if he would have stayed in character, he probably would have forced Harry to take the cup on his own. Instead of yeah. say, instead of agreeing well, to grab it at the same time,
2: that might be true, but we'll see. in the next, the, the reason why Cedric Diggory has to die is because he's a centerpiece of the, the fifth, point the yeah. fifth movie. Um, and the fifth movie. Okay, think about this. You well, think doesn't of that? Just aren't you just agreeing with me that it's contrived? Then well, no, because it's in it's a huge part of the fifth movie. Because it's it's like who actually killed Cedric Diggory and why did he die? Uh, and so that's why the the that happens. But like you think of the fifth movie, and the fifth movie we'll get to is like about truth and who's lying and it's like fake news and stuff. And then the, the third movie is about like the fear the fear of stuff and then the the second movie is about like who are your friends and who really oh. is your friend and who isn't your friend. And the first movie is about home and home away from home and what where where you really belong. Fourth movie, what is this movie about? I have no idea. Like what's the point of this? It's Like about... I think is it about like going heads head on into into uh danger even when like you've been like you've been randomly selected for danger and you kind of just have to go with it
0: dude i wrote about this in one of my uh english projects for the book Really?
2: Well, the reason it's th- hard
0: to find the theme. Right. Well, the is reason it- why
2: I said that is because at the really? end, <laughs> the reason I thought I was like the whole movie, like I said with Chamber like the whole movie, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know what this movie's about. Does it not? And have then at some- the end, well, at the end, Harry is sitting behind the rock, and Voldemort's like, come out and face me, and Harry's like, okay, I'm gonna do this now, and he gets out and faces him, and that, and then he, and then he's able to escape. So I'm like, okay, that's gotta be the theme right there, is him choosing. To come out from behind the rock and face Voldemort head on, he doesn't want to be there, just like he doesn't want to be in the cup. Uh, he doesn't want to be a part of the Triwizard Tournament, but he has to be a part of it anyways and just take on the danger head on. I think that's what this movie is about. But again, and then and then that's where the the ball would play into things thematically is like he doesn't he doesn't. Uh, that's where the subplot would comment on the main plot where he is sort of like not facing the danger of girls head on and he's kind of trying to like passively take on that challenge. Um, mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Is that what that's trying to trying yeah, to do? Yeah, it kind of like makes it's, sense. It make kind of makes sense, but it's not clear. It's not. It's not. Yeah. How does
1: How does that fit in with uh, one of the threads of the story, which is uh, the relationship between Harry and Ron and Hermione, where there's distrust that's built, and then the relationships have to be restored towards the middle or the end? Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think that that particularly doesn't really.
2: That's just more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This movie doesn't really have that. But as far as effect goes, the category that we're on, um, and I had a good time with this. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a great movie, but as far as, like I said, it, it, the 160 minutes doesn't feel super long, so I, I can give it that. So And it's got Harry Potter. Like Kieran says, it's just hanging out with Harry Potter and friends, having a good old time. Uh, so I'll give this a seven, actually, for effect. And I think that those those moments where with like Cedric Diggory dying and stuff, that kind of gets uh, emotionally investing a little bit. Uh, but it doesn't have nearly the same power as as things that will come later. So I think seven for effect is. I mean, what did I give the other ones for effect? I gave the first one a six and the second one a six. Okay, I'm giving this a six. I changed my mind. This is a six.
1: Yeah, you can tell I'm just mad about Cedric Diggory. Yeah, be mad. You're good. So
2: that means that our final score for this is going to be... What are we going to get for this? It's going to be 18, 20... Adding
0: up the math. Adding up the math. Adding
2: up the math. Yeah, keep it. Give me a good score.
0: Adding up the math. Adding
2: up the math. Adding up the math. Just, Just math. as
0: good as, Just as,
2: good as uh, uh,
0: William's score.
2: Yeah. D-
0: adding uh, up
2: the math. Adding, adding up, up the up math. math, adding up the, the math.
0: math, we're adding up the math. Uh, you, yeah, if you, that was kind of bad, so you guys don't have to, <laughs> uh, sorry for no, making No, dude, this.
2: don't, stop self-deprecating. Uh, this
0: is the best, uh entertainment that our viewers are going to get during this quarantine era though
2: dude we haven't even talked about quarantine that much this whoa this episode this is weird remember what i said about dumbledore if dumbledore can draw an age line oh yeah around the goblet of fire he could definitely draw a corona line yep around hogwarts so i propose that we all head over to hogwarts and just quarantine in, though, there because no but you would because if you don't have corona you can get in
0: oh he lets anybody in oh and that works with like the tents because you can make hogwarts way bigger than it is
2: yeah exactly for all the people who want to and then just leave all the people with with corona outside yep but our final score for for goblet of fire is a 64 out of 100 which makes it the worst rated out of all of these so far below uh the first 169 and the second 168 uh and compared not even close to azkaban's 92 out of 100 but that will do it for this episode, this bonus podcast episode of Script to Screen. Uh, thanks for listening. If you wanted to listen to the live show, you would go to 90.3 WRST gosh Oshkosh. But. However, because of the quarantine, we are obviously not able to do that. So uh, what you can do, however, is to uh, listen to your podcast feed and just check out for when our third episode uh, involving... Order of the Phoenix and the Half-Blood Prince will be coming out. So this was our second, the third one, and the fourth coming shortly after that. But, tune in then, I suppose, and we will see you then.
0: Bye!